0: Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 202. a high-end home, or buy a high-end home. And specifically, we're talking with Jason Hartman of the Creating Wealth podcast about Las Vegas and that market. It's a fascinating conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. Well, Jason, it's so great to have you back on the show. Welcome back. Thanks, Linda. It's great to be here. I thought it'd be fun to just check in with you and find out what's been going on with you.
1: Well, I have for many, many years wanted to live in a no-income tax state, and I thought many times about moving from Southern California, which is where I spent the vast majority of my life, uh, to Texas, Nevada, uh, Washington State, Tennessee, Florida, you know, all those all the sort of no-income tax states. I think there are 11 Wyomings also no-income tax, uh, but I'm not moving there. and. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I was really kind of hot for a while years ago on moving to Texas, maybe living in Austin. My ex-girlfriend moved there and and loves it. And, you know, I, I tell her she's like an advertisement for Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, but everybody sort of loves what they do and they're always kind of biased, right? And, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of made a decision that the easiest of those moves, since I have to travel a lot to California, which is where uh, three of my companies are still based, um, is to uh, move to Nevada. So I have, I am pretty close, and this is not formal yet, but I'm pretty close to making the move from Scottsdale, Arizona, where, where I currently reside, to Nevada, to Las Vegas, and it's it's really interesting, Linda, because I always have loved to hate Las Vegas. You know, I, I kind of, I, I, I mean, look at, I'm, I'm not a prude, okay, um, but. But I'm not really into the party lifestyle too much. I I mean, you know, a little bit. I don't gamble. Um, I think that these casinos just destroy people's lives, frankly, and Uh it's just kind of awful. But um, it is a no-income tax state, and Nevada is very business-friendly, and it's close to California. It's close to Arizona. Any other move would be like a significant life change, Uh moving moving to the East Coast. Moving across the country is a whole different deal. Uh Yeah. Whereas, you know, if I formally end up in Las Vegas, uh, you know, I'm actually closer to LA where I grew up and Orange County where I spent most of my adult life. Uh, so it's, it's easier, you know, it, it's actually a shorter drive uh, if I drive it than from Scottsdale, certainly a shorter flight. Uh, sometimes I drive it because I just like to have my own car, you know, I, I have a self-driving Tesla, so it's not, not much of a burden to drive. Uh, and um, uh, so I've been looking at properties here and it's been a really interesting education. Uh, my ideal thing is always to, as I say to uh, the Listeners on my podcast rent a high-end home for yourself and own lots of low-end properties that you can rent other people. Okay, and that's
0: great. Now you got to you got to explain that why okay, that is. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So the primary reason for that is simply the RV ratio or the the rent to value ratio, and what happens is when you get to about. $250,000 in home value, it really makes sense for one to start asking themselves, should I consider just renting this property and using it to live in uh, or, or buying it? Because we, when, when we're investing in real estate and when we're helping our clients do it, we want properties that rent for 1% of the value per month. So, $250,000 in home value should uh bring in $2,500 in income every month. And that y- you just can't do it. Once you go over really about 200,000, you can almost never get a 1% RV ratio. Um but 100 you can get lots of $100,000 properties or $150,000 properties that rent for 1,000 to 1,500 a month. That is very doable. Mm-hmm. And Linda, it gets even more desirable when you go up in price. For example, uh, one property that really got me kind of thinking about, yeah, maybe I should move to Las Vegas, is I was looking at a property that was probably worth about $1.8 million that I could rent for $6,000 a month. And I actually made an offer on it. And started negotiating, and I just didn't like the way the this particular landlord was really. Um I, I thought their lease agreement was very one-sided, and so I didn't end up doing that deal. But it is a good lesson in rent-to-value ratios, because the higher the price, the more the rental market just evaporates. And uh, so those owners uh, get uh, properties that just they just don't make much sense, and, and they obviously aren't listening to your podcast, they're not listening to my podcast, otherwise they would know better. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that's that's kind of the thing. And I'll give you another example. Um, I looked at a. I, I really am kind of looking for a single-family home. Uh, I've lived in high rises for the past five years, and I'm just a little sick of it, to tell you the truth. You know, I have a dog and just want a re- regular yard. And 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 so the the downfall of this strategy is that it's it's hard to find properties like that. They're they're pretty rare. You know, most owners they know what they're doing enough to know that that that's an investment property in quotes that doesn't make sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and, but here, here's the funny thing. I looked in a building, a high rise building, uh, just for kicks, uh, just, uh, two days ago. And this is a building on the Las Vegas strip. It's called veer. It's a very high end expensive building. Probably you or many of your listeners know about it. Um, it's right above the, the crystals shopping center, which is the super high end shopping center. Anyway, I look at this building and uh, and this this condo in the building that was just purchased six weeks ago by a couple who lives in Hong Kong, and they paid uh, $1,865,000 for it. Hmm. And the agent who was showing it to me said, uh, she said that they are renting it for $6,000 a month. There you go again, Mm -hmm. great RV ratio for the tenant, very favorable for the tenant. Mm -hmm. Had an but insanely great view. I mean, just probably one of the best views uh, in Las Vegas. No, no question. I think it was on the 40th floor or something like that. And um, uh, you know, 1,900 square feet, perfect condition, fully furnished, and and just a really a beautiful property. And she said, "Well, Jason, I don't really handle leases in here. My goal in showing this to you was to convince you to buy." Because this is a fantastic investment, and I said, "How much are the association fees?" And I think, you know, I may be uh, slightly inaccurate here, but I think she said they were twelve hundred dollars a month. Oh my God, are you (laughs) kidding me? And um, and and that that Linda is an investment that doesn't make any sense at all. Mm -hmm. But, But people. Think they just they just don't understand how investing works. They are complete speculators, mm-hmm. and this really is my commandment number five of my ten commandments of successful investing, and it's, thou shalt not gamble. Thou sh- thou shalt not gamble, and it means that the property needs to make sense the day you buy it or you don't buy it, mm-hmm. uh, That's and. Right. Uh, that's right. And I always can, say,
0: yeah, money yeah. is made when you purchase the property more than when yeah. you sell it. People don't realize that
1: and it's really oh. the price that you're buying at that's so important. Right, right. So there are there are two ways... To know if the property makes sense, and if you're not a gambler, one way is to get an incredible deal and buy it way below market. So, for example, that $1.8, one point eight million, six hundred one million eight hundred sixty-five thousand dollar condo. Hey, if if that was the value of, say, the value is two and a half million, and you bought it for one point eight, hey, great, that made sense just because you got such a good deal, and and but, you got instant equity. Right, instant equity, but mm-hmm. those kind of deals, I think we both have to admit, are extremely rare and hard to find. And um, I, I don't know; it's sort of questionable whether the value is really there. You don't know that for sure when you buy it, because the re, the ultimate appraisal on a property. Is a sale when two parties come together—a ready, willing, and able buyer and a ready, willing, and able seller—and they agree, and the property sells. That's what sets the value in the real estate market by the comparison approach. It's nothing else. So once that comp is set, the values in in comparable properties decline. Okay, so you know it, it's kind of questionable whether you know, good deals really do exist in any real scale, right? Agree.
0: I mean, it would have to be during like a financial crisis or something like that. That would be really unusual that people need to liquidate for some reason
1: quickly. And yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the other way we know, and this is the really uh, tried and true way, in my opinion, is just the rent-to-value ratio. You know, Does the property rent for somewhere in the neighborhood? I mean, it doesn't have to be exact, but in the neighborhood of 1% per month. That property, no way. It only rents for 0.3% per month and has massively absurd association fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, that doesn't work. Uh, but it, it, it's interesting that both she and her rich Hong Kong clients thought that that was an incredible deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because we you, you were on the show before and you talked about these cyclical markets and Las Vegas is one of those
1: cyclical markets too. Well, actually, Las Vegas is probably a hybrid market. Um, oh, okay. it, it does have definitely cyclical elements. Uh, so you're, you're right uh, – you know when it comes to the higher end properties in Las Vegas no question i mean the great recession comes again and it will inevitably someday come again we don't know when uh-huh. uh, but but there will be another uh, another downturn uh-huh you know those those high rise condo values will just evaporate i mean they they just get destroyed in markets like that and high end homes also uh, but little bread and butter properties in las vegas they don't really work like we don't we don't recommend las vegas currently because the pro- it, it is a little too expensive but those you know, like a single-family home that's two hundred thousand uh, dollars. That that's a hybrid. It's mm-hmm. like Phoenix. You know, it's not terrible. Uh, you you can rent those properties for uh, fourteen hundred a month, and, mm-hmm. and that's not the end of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Wow. Well, very interesting. So we have to know how the story turned out, or you're still
1: in the process. You haven't made a decision yet. Is that? I I haven't made a decision, but I I, I want to tell you about something that has really baffled me. And, you know, I'm in theory a real estate guru. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this one, I I don't get. This one has amazed me. I was looking at some resale properties, and there are some beautiful uh, sort of old money areas in Las Vegas. And I, I just, I, Linda, I couldn't believe how cheap these properties were. And Maybe you can help me with this because I am perplexed and amazed, and i I, I don't get it. I, I just do not get it. so uh, there there are a couple areas of, and when I say older homes, they're not even that old. You know, people on the East Coast are probably listening. Are you joking really? <laughs> all that old? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, but there's like one area where um I was uh, looking at a home very close to making an offer on this one. and um it was listed for six ninety nine you know not super expensive 699,000 but get this 4600 square feet wow built in 1990 and um in this gorgeous very what I'll call stately neighborhood with a golf course running through it um with uh, you know big wide streets with literally mansions on the same street, mansions that are um, seventy five hundred square feet, uh, ten thousand square feet, um, in incredible homes in this neighborhood, just amazing. It like, seems very inexpensive. Very I, inexpensive. I thought so too, and that's why I was thinking of buying it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, this, this property wasn't in real bad condition, okay, so, but listen to this. This is what turned me off, and I, I still can't get over this, and I still can't rationalize it in my mind. This home was built in 1990, and it sold in 1991, way back in 1991, for, you ready, sitting down? Uh-huh. $795,000. So, it's for sale
0: for less than it originally sold for
1: but wait there's more as they say oh. it was listed for 699 they already lowered the price to 650 oh as God. as we speak and you could buy it for probably 600 you know 610 mm-hmm. something like that but how is it possible that that property can be selling for less than it sold for a, a quarter of a century ago Great question. And did you ask your agent? Yeah, and they didn't have much of an answer. They just said, well, you know, everybody gravitates toward the brand new areas like Summerlin or the new areas in Henderson. And I understand that. You know, that's not a foreign idea to me at all. I I, I was a traditional real estate agent in Orange County, California for many years, and I saw that over and over again. But come on. No, it's not that... Um, it's not that significant. I mean, that just blew my mind that in 25 years, the property actually depreciated in value. Really?
0: Yeah, that's really unusual. Although I'd have to say Vegas would be one market where there might be so much construction and have been so much construction over 20 years that that might just be true what she said.
1: I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean look, you know, here's here's another concept that I, I believe I talked about when I was on your show before, when I talked about what I call the Hartman risk evaluator. Mm-hmm. It took me nineteen years to discover this idea that really as real estate investors we shouldn't even like real estate. And what I mean by that is I mean land what i'm really interested in investing in is what i call packaged commodities and that's just the construction materials that you use to build a house right the the concrete the lumber the petroleum products the copper wire the the glass the steel all of the the energy you know these are all commodities that are traded globally and they are um their value is not attached to any one currency. They're needed by every human on Earth uh, because everybody needs a place to live. It's one of the three primary human needs. And just by looking at it in terms of construction materials, um, it, 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 you know it's not about cheap land. So many people... Uh, in the world of real estate, make that mistake. For example, uh, one of our markets that we've done um, you know a couple hundred deals in over the years uh, w- with clients, and uh, you know I've owned in this market and made good money in it is Houston, Texas. So one of the criticisms of Houston is, and and I'm not talking about oil and all of that. That's a whole different subject. But but just one of the criticisms from a real estate only perspective is that look. Houston is very liberal when it comes to zoning, and it's very liberal when it comes to development. And there's there's plentiful land. And uh, one person in one of my seminars raised this as an objection to investing there. Well, you see, if you're buying properties below the cost of actual construction, you're not a land investor anyway. You know, you're you're just investing in the commodities, the construction materials, and um, that's a a very valid strategy. It took me 19 years to discover it, and I explained it on your show before when I talked about the risk evaluator and how uh, being a commodities investor versus a real estate investor can dramatically reduce your risk when investing because you can set a a floor on your your investments uh, in terms of the downside risk, mm-hmm. but. I mean, this has just blown my mind with the, these Las Vegas areas that are older, and not even older. We're just talking nineteen nineties, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has it has shocked me. I mean, just just amazed me over and over again.
0: Interesting. So, would when you looked at that house, did you say? I'd have to put a hundred thousand into this to bring it up to new standards and what I'd want. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: You know, it, it, by the way, just, you know, so the listeners know, it's not really a fixer upper per se. I mean, you could move into it and it'd be fine. Right. Uh, but of course I figured I'd probably put a hundred, maybe even 200,000 into it, mm-hmm. but I didn't think the property would support the upgrades. Right. Even though down the street, you can easily spend $1.3 million for a house and, uh, you know, around a few corners, you could spend $3 million. Mm-hmm. It just blew my mind that you could buy the same property 25 years later for less. And, and, oh, here's another thing I did, by the way. I went and I, I just typed uh, into the Bing search engine inflation calculator. And uh, I calculated 1991, $795,000 in today's dollar value, because I want to adjust the that value for inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Keep in mind, uh, and we should talk about this on a future episode, Linda. But inflation statistics are uh, very misleading because the government wants to understate inflation. They have a very vested interest because government uh, entitlement programs and government wages for so many government workers, which is like twenty percent of the economy nowadays, which is absurd. Uh, welcome to socialism. <laughs> um, uh, but you know they're all indexed to inflation, right? That's right, and, and they want to. Make the the voters think inflation is lower than it really is. And it's still it's actually kind of pretty tame right now. But a few years ago it wasn't very tame. I mean food prices were going up a lot and so forth. And so understand that the three major ways the government understates inflation is through waiting substitution, and hedonics. And I think we ought to talk about this on a future episode, Uh uh, if you you have me back on this, because um, it's super interesting. And um, so, this is just the official numbers. I took the 1991 $795,000 house adjusted for inflation and what it should be worth today just Adjusted for inflation, not any real dollar appreciation or anything else. And it basically should be $1.5 million in today's dollars. Wow. Interesting. And so that, that property is less than half price. Wow. You, you see how insane
0: that it is? is? I mean, all I can think is either location or
1: supply and demand. I don't well, know those are definitely factors. Uh, you know, this is an area where the golf course, uh, in the community had some problems during the great recession and, and went into bankruptcy, but got, you know, reorganized and got back on track. And, um, uh, the, you know, there, there were quite a few foreclosures in there. I mean, Las Vegas has had a lot of foreclosures just like Florida and many other places for that matter. But gosh, I, I mean, This example is so extreme that I, myself, having done this for so many decades, you know, and having done thousands and thousands of real estate transactions, that baffles me. I, I don't know. I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And especially with the market having bounced back from 2008, you know, pretty strongly, you'd think... If at any time it's going to be bouncing back, it would be now. And so, if it's not bounced back by now, then there's got to be something,
1: <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's bounced back a little bit. I mean, certainly this property is more expensive than it would have been five years ago, mm. or you know, or seven years ago. But not much. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Not much. And and so the the overall message I want to leave your listeners with here too is that there are some very uh, disconcerting signs in the high-end markets around the country. I've talked to brokers that do high-end properties, and I'm talking uh, anything above really seven hundred thousand to several million dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. I was talking with one um, uh, when I was at a, uh, a Tony Robbins event in Fiji a couple months ago. Uh, he he sold uh, real estate in some of the expensive areas of New Jersey, and he says properties are just sitting. They are just sitting. We, we have properties that have been on the market for a year and a half, two years in the high end, and, and the buyer pool has just evaporated. And um, I think listeners should be extremely careful in the high-end real estate market. And high-end, when I say that, it means different things in different cities. You know, Silicon Valley, a million dollars buys you a shack, okay? Um, but, uh, you know, that high-end market is a, a different meaning than the high-end market in Las Vegas or, or Dallas or Houston or Atlanta, uh, where, you know, in, in, in a beautiful area of Atlanta called Buckhead, for example, you know, if, if you spend a million, a million five, you get a pretty nice house, Okay uh in silicon valley you get a two bedroom one bath little shack so <laughs> it, it it all varies a little bit but when i say high end i'm meaning anything maybe 700,000 if you're in a low cost market up to several million dollars um there are some uh, signs of significant softening so be careful and uh ideally if you can find one rent a high-end home for yourself. If you're thinking, you know, you, you've got money, you can afford it, and you want to pay six, $8,000 a month in rent, you will be much better served than buying that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and, and most people think, well, you know, when I'm renting, aren't I just throwing my money away? No, you are not. Because when you own it, you are spending money. Remember, just like Robert Kiyosaki says, your home is not an asset. It's only a liability. You need a place to live. You're spending money for a place to live. It's not an investment. It's, it's simply an expense. Income properties that generate income, those are investments. Okay. Well
0: said. Well, this has been really interesting as usual, Jason. I really appreciate you coming back and telling us about your experience and updating us on what's going on out there.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And um, uh, if any of your listeners uh, can maybe help me learn something, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I've just been very open. I, I'm puzzled. I'm perplexed <laughs> about uh, what we talked about a few minutes ago. and uh I just don't get it. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before. So really interesting. Uh, if, if someone has some feedback, uh, please uh, chime in and, and, and teach us something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Jason, how can people learn more from you? I know you've got over 700 podcasts that have been promoting your show here for the last few
1: months. And let people know how they can learn more. Yeah, uh, JasonHartman.com or on any podcast platform. Just type the name Jason Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, and you'll find me. And I've got a whole bunch of shows, by the way, Uh, and you can find those at HartmanMedia.com for our entire podcast network uh, on a variety of subjects. But mainly, we're about real estate and economics and investing and personal finance. And uh, so JasonHartman.com is the place for that. And uh, also on Twitter at ROI like return on investment. Thanks for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Happy investing. Thank you for listening to Be Wealthy and Smart with Linda P. Jones. Share the wealth and tell your family and friends about the show. Check out our website, blog and social media for more riches at www.bewealthyandsmart.com.